0: Hello, good morning. Um, yeah, you heard my name's Tim. It's, it's great to uh, be with us all. Uh, I've got some feedback. Um, especially if it's your first time here amongst us, um, you are so, so welcome. Wasn't it, wasn't it great worshipping together just then and just um, reminding ourselves and dwelling in God's love for us, hearing that there is, there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God, that we do not need to let our hearts be troubled because there is one who's overcome the world and he loves us. Amen. We're looking at a topic this morning that is is something called the the response or the the overflow of God's love towards us. God has set his love upon us and then he he, he does something for us. He does something to us. Uh, We're looking at that this morning. There's this passage I'm reminded of um, in in John's gospel where uh, John goes to pains to say that Jesus loved his disciples and it said, in doing so, he got down on his knees, he took some water and a towel, and he washed their feet, symbolically cleansing them, symbolically uh, forgiving them. The, the overflow of, of God's love in the forgiveness of his people. We're looking at forgiveness this morning God's forgiveness of us, our forgiveness of others. Why don't you turn to Matthew 18? Um, and we're going we're to read our passage. We're continuing our, our series in Matthew. Um, and we're looking we at a mini series in parables. And so we're going to hear a parable today where Jesus uh, shares a parable on, on forgiveness. So starting in Matthew 18, verse 21. Then Peter came up and said to him, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me? And I forgive him, as many as seven times. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you seven times, but 77 times. Then Jesus shares this parable. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. When he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had. And payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, "Have patience with me, and I will pay you everything." And now, of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. But when that same servant went out, he found out he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, and seizing him, he began to choke him, saying, "Pay what you owe." So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him. as I had mercy on you. And in anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all his debt. So also my heavenly father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. The thing that Jesus is wanting to show us here in uh, our our main point today is that a forgiven people forgive others. A forgiven people forgive others. We're going to look at, God's forgiveness of us. And then we're going to have a look at how we can forgive, how we are to forgive other people. So let's start with God's forgiveness of us. And on our, on our journey through this, that's our first stop is considering our need for forgiveness. Look at the start of the parable with me. Jesus tells the story of a king who wanted to sort out all his financial goings-on with the various servants he has. And so if any of them owe him any money, he wants them to pay it back. And so this one servant comes to him and he owes 10,000 talents. Now this is, this is tons of money. It would take someone 20 years to earn one talent. And this guy owes 10,000 talents. Jesus might as well say he owes shed loads of cash. He owes <laughs> gazillions the point is that he's got no chance ever paying it back. This is a, this is a crazy debt. He could work all his life, and he isn't really going to pay it back. The servant then falls on his needs, and he, and he, and he begs him, and, and he asks for patience. And the king, it says, has, has pity, has compassion on the servant, and he forgives him. In the parable, the, ki- the king represents God. And this, this, this servant with this great debt, he represents me, he represents us. Jesus says that the, the king, his kingdom is full of people who owed such a large debt. Our need for forgiveness was great. The Bible says that we have all rebelled against God that we have racked up a massive debt, that our need for forgiveness is massive, that our sin has is, is, is created a massive bill for us, that we could never hope to repay 10,000 talents worth. Society would say that the problem in the world is something outside of us, fundamentally exterior to us, and that the solution and the, the, the answer is if we just look inside, we just look at the truth inside. Well, the Bible would say quite the opposite. The Bible would say that actually, no, the problem in the world is, is inside of us, is our sin, and that we are in need of a solution that can only come from outside of us. Alone with my sin, I am in great need of forgiveness. 10,000 talents worth. Without a, a deep understanding of our need, forgiveness can become a footnote in our lives. As we consider forgiveness, we need to think about the great need we were in before God worked. So how did this forgiveness come about? What was the cost? I think Jesus is a, is a genius in, in using money to help us understand this in this parable. So say if, say if Gus uh, borrows my phone, and it's, my phone's about four years old, but it's worth a bit of money. And, and Gus takes my phone and he breaks it. that that results in kind of a debt. It results in, there's a a cost attached. And there's there's two things that could happen then. Gus could pay me back for the phone, and then I get a phone again, but Gus is out of pocket. Or I could be very gracious and and, and forgive Gus for the phone. But the problem doesn't just go away. There's a cost still. If I'm to get a phone again, I, I, I need to absorb the cost. The, the king in the parable, he, when, when he forgives these 10,000 talents, it doesn't just go away. It isn't just, oh, it's fine. I'll just ignore that now. There's, there's a cost attached. The king absorbs the cost. Jesus is saying that in his kingdom, the king bears the cost. But the good news is that he is our king and that he has taken the cost for us. That God in Jesus bore the punishment that was asked for our sin. The cross shows us the extent of the need and it shows us the length to which He went to pay for it. And now we are entirely forgiven. He has fully paid the debt. This is the cost that God pays that you might freely receive forgiveness. And it is free to us, but it is entirely a cost to him, he will not hold our sin against us because it was held against Jesus in our place. Like the king, God settled up his accounts with you, but he did so on a cross and you weren't invited. Hallelujah. He has paid our costs. He has forgiveness and we can be free of sin. But now a question, is is he still forgiving? Is he still forgiving? Do you ever find yourself doubting that God is still as forgiving as you as maybe when you first became a Christian or when you first went to God in prayer and repented of it and said, I I don't want to do this again, I want to change, God, I'm sorry. Do you ever feel like me that maybe God can grow tired of forgiving us? that we could exhaust the tank of his mercies. Maybe that's how you, you came into church this morning. God is tired of me. His mercy is low with me. I've been there. And I, I want to I share five words, five words that have encouraged me. Five words. It's, it says in Hebrews that Jesus has been appointed for us A merciful and faithful high priest. A merciful and faithful high priest. Now, we're not used to thinking of the the job title high priest. Nowadays, it's not one you'll find on Indeed.com. So what what does a high priest do? What does a high priest do? A high priest's job is all about dispensing mercy. A high priest brings people towards God and dispenses forgiveness to the people. A high priest is all about giving grace and mercy. Jesus is appointed right now a high priest for us. Interceding for you before the Father, providing mercy and grace for you when you sin. That, that God has chosen, that Jesus has freely chosen to take on this, uh, this, this job, this role, right now before the Father, to be a high priest for you. And, and, how, and how does he do it? What is the manner in which he goes about this job? It says that he is merciful and faithful in it. That in a job all about providing mercy, he is merciful in it. Your misery can't exceed his mercy. And he is faithful to it. He will not grow tired of forgiving you. He won't run out of mercy. You cannot exhaust the tanks of his loving kindness and mercy upon you. Well perhaps we're thinking, what about that one sin? What about that one thing that we are scared to bring to God? Like we like we feel shared of in the worship? That sin that sometimes feels so shameful to bring to God that we can't verbalize it. Perhaps it's something that we regret the most. My friends, he has paid for it all, including that one thing. He paid every last dime. This means that when I think about that small sin that kind of I just forget about the next day or, or that thing that I've, I've done that still affects people that I love today, that he has paid for all of it it is all forgiven at the cross if I come to him. This means that there is no punishment left for your sin. There's none left at all. That That thing that, I don't know if you've had this thought pattern like me sometimes, of like, oh, that thing that went wrong in my life, is that God's punishment because of that thing I did the other day? No, there's no punishment left for our sin. God does not punish us. The the, the penalty is completely gone. Every sin is covered. There's there's, there's no sin you committed in your past that is not paid for. As an aside, you might have been just faithfully reading your, your Bible one day, and then bam, Jesus says, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Maybe you've heard of the so-called the unforgivable sin. And I think it's so common. I think a lot of us will have at some point thought, oh, is is that something I've done? What is this unforgivable sin? And let me just clarify briefly that if you are a Christian, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, if you have put your faith in him, that is not a sin that you have committed. And that is, that is not a sin that you can somehow just fall into. That If you are concerned about that, that is, that is, that is definitely something of a sign that that is not a sin in your life. We're not going gonna to camp out on this, but it is a common thing that people wonder about and have fear over. So I wanted to flag it and say that if that is something for you that's on your mind, oh, what is this? It's in, it's in Matthew 12 then please do come and and find me or someone else you've seen on the platform at the end. I'd love to talk to you about it. The cross is fully sufficient. There There is no sin in your life as a Christian that he has not paid for, that he has not forgiven. If you don't know him, then I'd encourage you to come to him. His, his forgiveness is available today. He has dealt with our sin. The Bible says that he has thrown it behind his back. I love that picture. There's another one that he has trampled it underfoot. He has cast it into the sea. He's trying to tell us that he has fully dealt with it. And we, we, we can't contribute anything to this. What, what he has done at the cross is entirely sufficient. The debt is fully paid. We can't, we can't chip in. There is no crowd funder. There is nothing we can do to, to add to what he has done. This means our future obedience doesn't make up for past transgression. This means that the, the depth of our repentance doesn't somehow earn our forgiveness. It means that the, the emotion we might feel when we repent doesn't caused us to be forgiven no it's nothing about us at all it's entirely about him we have no part to play and he's done it in love as as we heard i I think i'm quoting someone i think i think it's tim keller who said that we are more sinful than we know and that we're loved more loved than we'll ever imagine we could ever imagine we are forgiven people. He has set his love upon us and he has dealt with our sin that we can come to him. I, I love how this song puts it. It's a song called His Mercy is More. It says this. What love could remember, no wrongs we have done. Omniscient or knowing, he counts not their son. Thrown into a sea with our bottom or shore, our sins they are many, His mercy is more. What patience would wait as we constantly roam. What father so tender is calling us home. He welcomes the weakest, the vilest, the poor. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. What riches of kindness he lavished on us. His blood was the payment. His life was the cost. We stood beneath a debt we could never afford. Our sins, they are many is mercy is more. We are forgiven people. And so Jesus says, we forgive others. That's who we are. Look at, look at the start of the passage with me if you've got your Bibles open. Look at verse 21. Peter asks, how, how many times should I forgive my brother who sins against me? Seven times? And now, I don't know for certain, but I think Jesus Peter is being pretty, pretty clever, pretty crafty here, because the the general recommendation from the religious leaders at the time was that you should forgive someone three times, and after that, it's, it's a bit bit much. And so, I I, th- I think that Jesus, I think Peter is cottoned on that Jesus does things a bit differently. So maybe if I double it and add one, that puts me in a safe place to be. So he says. How about, how about seven times, Jesus? <laughs> and and well, what, does Jesus says? what does Jesus say? He says, forgive your brother 77 times. And that isn't to be literal. He's saying forgiveness to the utmost. Full and complete forgiveness. And this is hard. When we're, when we're sinned against, when stuff happens to us that shouldn't have happened, or when stuff should have happened to us and didn't. It's hard to forgive. We, that there is there's an instinct in the human heart to take vengeance and to want to take revenge when we're sinned against. And there is, there is rightly anger at sin when we're sinned against. Paul says at one point, be angry and do not sin, which implies that there's an anger that, that we can have that isn't sinful, but it also implies that it is so easy for our anger to just carry on straight through into wanting to take revenge. Our, our instinct can want to be when someone takes from us to want to pay them back and more. And this, this instinct plays out in, in the Bible. There's this dramatic story at the start of the Bible in Genesis. And that there's two brothers, Cain and Abel. You may know of them. And and Cain is, is known for his ability to take vengeance, for his love for vengeance. And, and he kills his brother, Abel, and, and his descendants, uh, they're, they're, they're the people of Cain, and they, they just seem to really love their taking of vengeance. And there's this guy called Lamech, and I, I don't, don't know much about him. He's only in there for a few verses. He really loves taking vengeance. I mean, he he sings a song about his own t- taking a vengeance. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sing this song, um, but he says, "Cain, my ancestor, well, he took vengeance seven times. But me, Lamech, I take vengeance seventy-seven times. Vengeance to the utmost. Do you see what Jesus is doing? He's he's, he's taking." He's taking this and he's flipping it on its head. Lamech takes, repays sin against him, and takes vengeance 77 times, vengeance to the utmost. Jesus says we are to forgive 77 times, forgiveness to the utmost. Instead of being like the people of Cain, who killed his brother, we are to forgive our brothers and sisters in the church. We are to be a people of forgiveness, Jesus is saying. So what does it look like when we forgive someone? It means that we refuse to take revenge against the person. We don't inflict pain against them. We don't use it as leverage against them. We, We take them off our hook and we put them onto God's. God will enact his justice. We can trust him with that. But we give up our rights to be made even with them. And it means we don't use it as gossip with other people. We aren't to take revenge in how we talk about it with other people. And I, I think there's something going on in that. And I think it's actually, I was reflecting on it this morning. I think it's actually, it's more than, than just gossip. I think when we are, are sinned against, that there is a, there's a great desire for justice. And that part of that, and, that, and that's, that's right and natural, and part of that is that we want it to be known. We want it to be, Held on to because it can feel like if something is known, it's real, and that if only I know about it, well, it's not, almost like not quite as real. And so it can lead to us wanting to share about it and, it, and it can feel like if I forgive this person, it's almost it's almost as if it didn't happen. Like if, if if I if I let, let go of this, we can almost we can hold our forgiveness against someone. It's like a memorial statue in our lives. That this thing happened to me and it and it matters and it does matter. And so in that I think it is important to say that that God knows. That we can trust Him with that. That He He knows, that He remembers, He knows how you were sinned against. You do not need to hold on to it for that sake. Uh, and, and and so how we, take reve- we don't take revenge against other people. We don't share with other people to take revenge. And in our hearts, we don't indulge ill will towards them. We don't keep the fire of hostility in our, in our hearts burning against them. We don't demonize them in our imagination. Jesus says, love your enemies, bless your enemies, P- pray for your enemies. We don't allow bitterness <laughs> to get a root in our lives. And there are a few things forgiveness doesn't mean. Forgiveness doesn't mean reconciliation. Reconciliation requires someone to genuinely repent for what they've done and for us to forgive them. And then there is reconciliation. And Jesus' heart for his church is for reconciliation between people who are sinned against and who sin. But forgiveness isn't reconciliation. It's our half of the bargain. We, we, we open the door towards reconciliation when we forgive someone. But we can't force reconciliation. And so forgiveness is, is, is different to reconciliation. When we forgive someone, it doesn't mean that we don't change our behavior towards them. It doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be put in the same scenario again. It doesn't mean that we that we don't seek pastoral help, that we don't talk to people for our own sake. Jesus is saying that we are to be a people who forgive, that this is who we are, that it is good for us. And, and forgiveness is costly. It can be a beautiful idea, forgiveness. We can, we can love to think about forgiveness as removed from us, but when it's something that we find ourselves having to do, it can be costly and painful. It was costly for God to forgive us, and it is costly for us to absorb, to, to forgive others. We give up our right to repayment. Jesus is saying that if we don't know the great forgiveness that we've received, we won't be able to give it out. But real forgiveness can only happen at the foot of the cross when we know the great forgiveness we've received. And we will never forgive in the same way that we've been forgiven. There will never be as much for us to forgive as though we have been forgiven of by God. And so in the second half of the parable, this servant, he's just been forgiven on this massive debt. And, and he leaves, you'd assume, a, a spring in his step to find someone else who owes him a much smaller amount, 100 it's, it's a hundred denarii. It's a relatively tiny sum, but it is still costly. It would have, it cost him if he were to forgive it. And he had the opportunity then to forgive the servant this debt, but he, he doesn't. Instead, he chokes him. and he, he demands payment and he gets this person thrown in jail. Jesus is saying his forgiven people can forgive others and that if we can't forgive our brother who, who comes to us in repentance, then perhaps we don't really know his forgiveness of us. We don't forgive in order to earn our forgiveness. We are fully forgiven before him, but it is is a natural and good fruit in our lives as Christians that as forgiven people, we forgive others. Finally, I wanna share an example of of forgiveness. You might've heard of um, Corrie Ten Boom. She was a, a Dutch Christian who in the second world war she sheltered um, a number of, of Jews from the Nazis. And after a while, she was found out, and she was, she was thrown in a concentration camp, and she, and she was mistreated there for years. And, and she writes of, it, of, of an incident many, many years on when she met someone who had been a guard where she had been imprisoned, someone who'd had a role in mistreating her, who'd had a role in, in the death of her sister. And this person had become a Christian. They'd repented and they were asking for forgiveness from her. And this is what she writes. A drink. Fraulein, his hand came out. Will you forgive me? And I stood there. I whose sins had every day to be forgiven and could not. Betsy had died in that place. Could he erase her slow, terrible death simply for the asking? It could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it, I knew that. The message that God forgives has a prior condition that we forgive those who have injured us. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, Jesus says, neither will your father in heaven forgive your trespasses. And still I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can function regardless of the temperature of the heart. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You supply the feeling. And so woodenly, mechanically, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder, raced down my arm, sprang into our joined hands, and then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother, I cried with all my heart. For a long moment, we grasped each other's hands, the former guard and the former prisoner. I had never known God's love so intensely as I did then. That's a challenging quote, isn't it? It's a, it's, a, it's a moving picture of the reality of forgiveness. As we, as we think about forgiveness, we're thinking about some of the hardest things that have ever happened to us. And, and so you might find yourself right now in that place between wanting to forgive and having, really feeling able to and actually having forgiven someone. And I want to remind you of our God of compassion. I, I, I of myself in the times where I've I've struggled to choose to forgive someone, having to cling on to Jesus and His strength and encouragement as we choose, as I struggle to choose to forgive. If you're struggling to forgive, ask Him. He will help you. Do do talk to someone in in, in the church, perhaps your home group leader if you're in a home group. Lots of people. Um, in our church i have been prayed for uh, for issues that relate to forgiving someone else and ultimately we can trust that this is the people he's made us to be and so he will provide the power to forgive at the cross he didn't just purchase our forgiveness he bought our forgiveness of other people too he will supply the strength to forgive we are forgiven people, and, and so it, we forgive other people. Forgiveness can be hard and uncomfortable, but we remind ourselves of this great gift that we've been given in Jesus. You can trust him who has bore your sin for you with someone else's. with the band. as we start worshiping, there might be two ways that you can, you could respond. Firstly, if, as we started to respond earlier, from, from Phil's word, that there is an area in your life that you haven't fully given over to God, that you haven't fully repented of, why didn't you come to Him and know His forgiveness for you? And as I've been speaking, if there's been an incident Someone, and, and you've known that you need to forgive them. That's often a process. It might be great for you to, to, to pray with someone else. Why don't you ask Jesus to, to meet with you and help you in that?